podcast where we talk about what happens in the NBA with a slight focus on the Atlantic Division. I'm here with my co-host Mark Aboyan and I'm Ian Cruz. Uh, we have been lifelong basketball fans. Um, I'm a Sixers fan, he's a Celtics fan, and so we decided that we would start a podcast where every week we talk about what's going on in the league and what's going on with our teams. Um, we had a lot happen around the league this week, um, but let's just dive right into it. Mark, what was your take on the Jokic situation? All right, so I'm not surprised with how Markeith, um reacted, but I see where Markeith was trying to you know just foul, he leaves a hard foul, whatnot, but... Like, you don't turn your back after, like, a hard foul at that because you know chances are you're going to get retaliated on. So I have no problem with Jokic retaliating or anything like that. I mean, and then what escalated after that with the whole <laughs> Jokic brothers creating their own Twitter account and then Marcus getting at it. It's it's a bit wild, but, you know, the NBA, you know, it's full drama and stuff, and that's what the fans love, I guess, you know, a little drama and stuff. So it's going to be interesting when uh, the Nuggets go and face uh, the Heat and whatnot and see what happens there. Yeah, I'm, I'm super curious to see what happens. I mean, for those of you who may not be super aware of the situation, Markeith Morris committed a hard foul on Nikola Jokic uh, in a game this week where the Nuggets were already up 20, and um, he kind of threw a... Uh, he can't. He really came across court and threw a rib... Uh, threw, a, threw an elbow into Jokic's rib, and, and Jokic um, kind of immediately responded by pushing uh, Markeith in the back really hard. Um, and he's a, he's a big guy. They're both big guys, but... Um, Markeith went kind of flying, and, and I, I do think he he deserves an Oscar for his for his acting there. But his head did kind of snap back a little bit. They did bring out a stretcher. Um, I think it's a little overblown that Jokic, um, you know, tried to attack him with his back turned. I think it was it was a, a pretty immediate response. But Markeith had already just started walking away as soon as it happened, and they, and they've got a long history um, uh, of of yeah. those kind of fouls, but. Jokic also has a history of kind of these angry outbursts. Do you think a one-game suspension, um, a marquee $50,000 fine, flagrant two, do you think that's uh, the punishment fits the crime, or, or what are your thoughts there? For, for marquee for saying? For both of them. For both of them. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. I mean, and it, I mean, it happens. I mean, it's like he in the moment type of thing. I think I think what, what really escalated is the I think when uh, the Jokic brothers like uh, you know create that uh, Twitter account and then they you know the brothers were going at each other you know between uh, Marcus and uh, Nicola's uh, brother I, I think that's what escalated to what it is now I honestly don't I think like the punishment's fine I think like even without the whole post game stuff I think that's probably what would they would have gotten anyway so I think it's fine to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the NBA kind of has a history of being lenient in these situations, especially Adam Silver. But um, I think that's probably for the best of the game. I mean, I, I, I really respect them for kind of giving a little bit of leeway when uh, there are situations where um, it's clearly in the heat of the moment. And um, Jokic did show a little bit of remorse. And um I, I think you kind of have to separate what the Jokic brothers are doing on Twitter and Jokic's uh, actions himself. And so I think it's I think it's fair. He's the reigning MVP. He really needs to, to learn from this and hopefully um, kind of avoid these situations in the past. But this reminds me of, you know, like uh, a young Giannis situation or something like that. Although Jokic isn't really that young anymore. So I'm not really sure um, what to expect from them moving forward. I hope that... Uh, it, it is a learning experience. Um, moving forward, we've got uh, 
the Bulls, but more specifically, I want to talk about Alex Caruso, who went on the JJ Redick podcast this week and kind of shed some light on the situation uh, with the Lakers. To give a little context, JJ Redick, uh, you know, is joking with with Caruso, who's talking about um, the fact that he had been willing to take less money to go back to the Lakers, um, and the Bulls had. Um, or JJ had said to, to Caruso, you know, blink once if if my prediction is too high or blink one, or twice if it's too low. And, um, you know, he, he says two years, 15. And Caruso blinks and confirms that it was less than that. Um, and he ends up signing with the Bulls for four years, $37 million, and 30 of that's guaranteed. And he's been fantastic there. Um, do you think the Lakers botched the situation? Or do you think at that number, it would have been worth it to let him walk? You know, I think this is where it gets down to like, um, it it, uh, it depends. As I I say a lot, I mean, just probably just at the wall school. I mean, just say it depends with a lot of things. But I think it does depend on was he willing to come back on a shorter term deal? Because I mean, you got a great deal with the Bulls, in my opinion. You know, like you said, four years, thirty-seven million. Um, so he gets that security of a long contract. Would he have, you know, because that's what that's about like, what like nine nine and a half a year nine and a half million a year with the bulls um was he willing to sign like a one-year deal with the lakers or two year for like a little bit less i i don't know so it depends on that situation um i do think i do think the lakers i feel they're the because like now they have you know between lebron and um davis you know when you get like those caliber players on the team you're just you know you're just like always going to be tinkering you're not going to really commit really too much money to someone unless it's a big name star um to your roster because you know you're gonna try to get like these vets on one-year deals like two-year deals and stuff so i don't think i wouldn't say they botched it i'm a bit surprised they didn't offer a bit more than what um is being alleged what they offered um to caruso but i'm not i don't think they really botched this um especially i mean like I said, if he was willing to take like a one year deal on less money, like a lot less, then yeah, then I guess you could say, yeah, they botched it. But if you really wanted that, you know, uh, long term contract, then I, I understand why the Lakers didn't offer it to him. See, interesting. I, I, I'm going to disagree with you here. I think the Lakers really screwed up. Um, I'm a big Caruso believer, but more so than that, I just think he probably, no disrespect to Russell Westbrook, would be the one of the. I'm not going to call him the best guard there, but he he would be he would probably be the second best guard on that team right now, um, and he would be under contract for multiple years. He'd be one of the younger guys on the roster, and I think to lock him up for for four years would have been big for them. Um, and and I think you know, would I rather Caruso than Malik Monk? Yes. Would I rather Caruso than Avery Bradley? Yes. Would I rather Caruso over Tht? Probably yes. Um, would I rather him over Rondo again? Yeah, I, I, I think that he would do a lot for that team right now. Um, that is really struggling without LeBron. Um, and I can go on and on about AD, but I think he hasn't been what they really need from him. And we could talk about the Lakers in a bit more in a bit. Um, but, but keeping it with Caruso, keeping it with the Bulls, Caruso has been really good. The Bulls have been really good. Um, they've only lost twice now to the Sixers. Or, so they've lost three times now, twice to the Sixers and once to the Knicks. Um, both of those losses to the Sixers were when the Sixers did have Embiid. How are you feeling about the Bulls right now? No, they're, they're looking good. Um, I mean, 
it pains me because we uh, the Celtics blew uh, I think it was a 19 point um, uh, lead going to like the fourth quarter against them, but they they look good. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting what they have now because Vucevic I believe just is in the health and safety um, um, protocol. Um, so it's gonna be interesting how they're gonna adapt without him. But I, I do like the the makeup of the team between you know I'm a big I mean I am a big Lonzo fan. Um, I mean Levine's playing you know Levine. Demar has actually surprised me a lot. I mean I remember on the last podcast we were talking about it. We were um, a bit you were a bit skeptical of how he's gonna fit in, but I think he's played he's found his role for this team, and I think he's doing a pretty good job. Um, is it sustainable? not too sure but i think i think they are a playoff team um but yeah they definitely they definitely uh took me for surprise because like i said like when we first did this podcast i think they were like three or four now but they didn't really play anyone you know i think they played like the pelicans and maybe like the pistons in those like four games i believe i could be wrong on that but like, it wasn't like anything like they didn't really get tested yet but well we'll see i mean you know they're they're looking good but you know early in the season but so far can't complain about their start they had yeah, I, it's interesting, too, because Vucevic has not really looked like himself recently. Um, you know, he's shooting under 40% from the floor as a big man, which is um, really not what you're looking for. He's averaging, like, 13 no. points a game. Um, if he can really find his stride, that would be huge for them. But Lonzo has stepped up. He's shooting 45% from three. Um, the, the Bulls are looking like they, I'm not going to call them a contender yet, but are, are in a good situation to compete every night and probably um, will be looking for, uh, you know, a, a much higher seed than we expected at the beginning of the season. Um, what's really shocking to me about the Bulls so far, though, is when you take a look at their defensive stats. Included in the top six defenses in the league um, right now are three teams that I am shocked to see that high. Uh, the Warriors, the Nets, and the Bulls. The Nets have definitely improved uh, defensively since Bruce Brown has kind of gotten back in, in the fold. But to see the Bulls up there is quite a shock. When you look at their, when you look at the players on that roster, they were expected to struggle a lot defensively um, between Demar, Levine, and Vucevic, um, especially after losing Patrick Williams. But then you look, and they're the sixth-ranked defense. Uh, they're shutting guys down. They're they're giving offenses a tough time every night. I'm not sure how sustainable that's going to be, but it's definitely something to watch. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and back to your point about the whole Vucevic and struggling. Do you? I was. I would like to know your opinion on. Do you think because when he was in Orlando, you know, the offense was ran through him. You know, we'll walk the ball up, get him his post ups, you know, get a pick and pop, pick and roll, whatever. You know, he was getting the ball a lot. Do you think with the Bulls, like with the makeup of their team, you know? Like Lonzo, when he gets the ball, first thing he's looking is up. He's trying to push the ball as fast as he can. Levine, same thing. You want to get out on the break. Demar, argue the same thing. They do have some little half court offense, but especially Caruso too. You know they're fast. They want to get the ball moving, get the rebound. And they'll push the ball. Do you think that has uh, is having an impact on Vucevic's game? It, it definitely could be, um, especially from a conditioning standpoint of getting up and down the floor. It could be maybe why his his shooting is struggling a little bit. You're seeing a lot of guys struggle from the floor though. Um, right now, while everybody gets used to the new ball and the new rules, um, I think he's going to bounce back. He had a good game um, this week against the Mavs where he dropped like 18, 10, and 4, I think. Um, and so that was more on pace, but it wasn't super efficient, if I remember correctly. But I, I'm just curious to see if, if he can turn it on. 
um, then that's like unlocking another whole gear for them, um, which would be huge. Um, the last one, though, has been the Heat, who have been really hot and really cold. Uh, they've played some incredible games, and they've played some games where it looks like they absolutely fall apart. Um, when you look at the Heat, what are you making of them? Their team is going to be fine. It depends on the whole, how bad the ankle injury with uh, you know the sprained ankle is of Jimmy, but I think I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. I think they will be. I don't know. It's do I want to say they can be contenders? I mean, I feel like they can be a contender. Um, I definitely they're. I guess would be a top one of the top teams in the East uh, for sure. I think, um, especially with everyone's healthy and stuff. However, I mean, when the Celtics played them last week, we like we, it was we just. I thought I was going into it, it was after you know after, we'll get into the more of the call of smart and everything. But it was uh, the second game after that, and I was like, well, this is gonna be interesting. And sure enough, you know. Uh, Tatum didn't even play that well. Um, I didn't think he made a shot until like, the fourth quarter, but we still blew him out um, by, I think, like 17 or something like that. Uh, but it's one of those games where, like, they just don't seem up for it. There's, like, games where they come out flying, like, the Heat, and, like, you're like, oh, wow, like, this team's going to be is real good. And then you see against the Celtics, they can't do anything. And, like, if, you know, their shot's not falling, then they're, they're struggling, and they're just relying on, you know, Jimmy trying to do everything. And But I think that's just how it's going to be, but... I think I think they'll be fine towards I think they'll be fine to be honest. Yeah, I think their biggest issue so far has been that a lot of their half court offense really relies on just giving the ball to Jimmy and Bam yeah. and just be like go do go do something. And um Bam's been really fantastic and Jimmy's been really fantastic as well. Bam seems to have kind of taken that next step on offense where he can really just go score the ball at will. Um I was listening to a podcast this week where they were talking about how Bam may be starting to realize that um, it's it's actually selfish for him to be selfless with the ball, right. um, where he needs to start being aggressive. I believe that was um, on the Locked In NBA pod, um, or Locked On uh, NBA pod. But um, I think that's been, you know, Bam has been the, the light point, the high point here. Tyler Hero's been quite good. But Lowry has actually been really inconsistent. In the game against the Nuggets this week, he went 0 for 8 from the floor. Um, I mean, last night he had 25, but I think he had 4 points going into the third quarter, or into the, maybe it was 6 points going into the fourth right. even. Um, and, and then he turns it on and, and ends up with 25, and, and the Heat almost come back there. Um, but he's been shooting quite poorly. Do you think um, Lowry is still adjusting to the ball, or do you think that Lowry might we we maybe are starting to see a little bit of a fall off? Um, it, it could it could be a, it could be a mixture of the both. Uh, the new ball is getting a lot more people than I thought, other than like you know the Curry brothers who seem like you know you can give them whatever, everything's going in with them. Um, yes, sir. They're just a different, yeah. They're just a different uh, different level of shooters. Um. But the ball could be a thing. I mean, um, people have players have been complaining or not complaining, but just been talking about it. How it's new, they have to adjust. I mean, I, I mean, I play play basketball up to you know, uh, till high school, and like even when I was on AAU and stuff, when you get like a new ball, where you're going from like the Wilson like Evolution ball, which you know is a classic ball, and then like to like the, I don't know, the Wilson wave or something like just even the same ball but it just has like little waves and grooves it is different you know it is a little different but um but I'm sure you know, I mean at the end of the day they're NBA players they should they'll, they'll be able to figure out and get their touch back um but I it could be a fall off as well I don't believe I for me it's personally hard to like believe like you know um 
NBA players in like one season can like drop off like you know tremendously. I mean, I'm not saying you're thinking he dropped off tremendously or anything, but it could be a, it could be a you know a star. I mean, maybe still getting used to the team in Miami. You know, his first new team in how many years he was in Toronto, but um, it could be it could be that. But I think again, I think I think he'll be fine. I think it's just an adjustment period. You know, he's still getting used to the offense around him. You know, I mean, he was like the number one, number two guy in Toronto for most of his you know. Uh, career now he's going to a team with Bam and Jimmy where they're one and two and he's more like you know is he like you know two A to be with like uh Bam or is he you know I think he's still trying to find his role but once they you know like I said we're still real early in the season I think when the next like you know ten games something he'll know more of his role and whatnot and then we'll probably see Kyle Kyle Lowry of old. Yeah, I hope so. Um, it, w- it would certainly be a pleasure to see the Kyle Lowry of old fit into that offense and hopefully facilitate uh, a little bit of a better half-court setup for them. Um, now, out of the teams that have gotten some hot starts, uh, who do you think is for real? I, I have to say, I, I think it's the Wizards. <laughs> I, yeah. I think it's the Wizards. Um, my, I week was one, my week one call. Yeah, no, it was. It was fair, 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 fair play. Um you know, I think Celtics lost to them twice. Um, one of them was a double overtime game in DC, but they're 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 a very solid team. Um, they're first. I think I believe they're still they're first right now at eight and three. I mean, they have a. It's just you know, there's no like other than Bradley Beal. There's not like, you know, your your stars like two or three stars. I mean, you got just a very solid overall team. You know, um. Well, other than Beal, you got, you know, Montrez Harrell, uh, who's been, I've seen another level from him than what he was in, you know, the oh, Clippers. Yeah. Like when, when he was with the Clippers, his, I mean, to be fair, when he was with the Clippers, his role was simple. You know, you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, get the rebounds, make the hustle plays. But now you're seeing a lot more from him and just more, uh, oh, more of a, what's the word? Um, I guess consistent basis, but more like, you know, he's getting more involved in the offense and whatnot. Um, yeah. And, you know, so you're seeing, like, the best of him. And I've always been a fan of Spencer Dinwiddie. I remember watching him in, uh, uh, in at Colorado um, in college. And I'm just like, wow, this guy's, like, it's kind of like an old-fashioned type point guard. But he could shoot, you know, use his body real well and like, the post and stuff. Just a very solid player. Then I, I was surprised, like, when it's when he – I think he got – I forgot where he got drafted to. I don't know if um, – but I was surprised then, you know, he was out of the league for a little bit. Um, he was going, like, the um, the G League and stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, then now on the net, then he was on the Nets and just showed what he was worth. Um, but now that I'm now with him and be on that backcourts, they're a very, very solid team. I think they're for real. Do I, I, I still don't think they're contenders. I'm not going to go, th- I'm not going to go that far, but they're, they're going to be a, they're a tough team, tough team to beat. Yeah, I, I bought them at at least the sixth seed. I said I think they were going to finish sixth. They may actually uh, do a little bit better than that, although the East looks really strong as a whole. But the Wizards have been just really good top to bottom. Um, you know, Kyle Kuzma has been fantastic. KCP has been really good. Um, it's starting to look like some of the pieces that they brought in as a part of that Russell Westbrook trade um, may have actually done way more than I think even the Wizards expected. I think Wes Unseld Jr. has been a fantastic hire for them. Um, yeah. And and people were really praising that hire when they made it, but I think he, so far, has been surpassing expectations. Um, you know, maybe even their wildest dreams kind of thing. Um, but they, they've been just 
they've made the transition, I think, this year from a team that has a lot of young guys looking for opportunity, trying to put up stats uh, surrounding Bradley Beal, to a team now that has a fair amount of veterans. And the young guys are really buying into kind of playing defense, which is something that they just completely ignored last year. Um, but also to playing a more team style form of basketball. You know, Beal's numbers aren't what they were last year, but that's not necessarily a bad thing um, because you don't have Russell Westbrook trying to push the pace and just kick everything out to a guy that that offense wasn't really built to be able to to handle. Like they didn't have the shooters, they didn't have the you know the the defense that could defend right after Russell Westbrook has them sprint down the floor every possession. And now this year. They're, they're kind of um, playing just a more balanced approach, and I think that's been really huge for them. Um, another team that I have for real is the Bulls, I, and we can keep this brief because we've talked a lot about the Bulls already, but I, I'm really buying into that roster. Um, I think their offseason looks even better um, in hindsight. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Bulls as my other one. Do you have any other for real, and do you have any frauds? Um frauds i didn't have i didn't have a fr- i actually didn't have a fraud but uh that, hmm, let me let me check the standings real quick but um do you have do you have one you can talk about in the meantime sure i mean i think for a fraud for me it, it hurts me to say because it's a team that i like and it's a team that i liked a lot the first week sixers um no get out of here <laughs> no i'm gonna say i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with the knicks um okay. not because of anything to do with julius randall and not because I think that the improvement to R.J. Barrett is fake either. Um, I think that their offseason um, looked really good the first week, and, and we were calling them winners, but their their defense has really struggled as a result of the inclusion of Fournier and Kemba. Um, and, and now I'm just curious if this is a team who thrived last year because they built that defensive identity um, that Tibbs loves to, to have, and um, he doesn't usually shoot a lot of three-point shots. Now this team's shooting a lot of threes and um, not playing great defense, and I wonder if it's because this is a team that isn't really built to play the way that the team wants to play, or if they've just kind of lost that identity, um, and, and I'm curious to see if they're going to find it, but I don't know if they've got the pieces on that roster to do it. I, I don't think that they do. Um, but I'm not really sure where they go from here. Right. No, I, I agree with that. Um, I believe on our first podcast, I, I uh, we we both said, I, I mean, I know I said that they were a winner of like you know the free agency and whatnot. But I I was hesitant to say, or I don't, I don't, I said that um, I don't believe they're in that top tier just yet. I mm-hmm. still I said um, they were missing that one player, and I still uh, you were talking about. I think they still are mention, uh, missing that one player to take them over that you know like hump and whatnot. Um, but I agree with everything you were saying. Um, I was looking real quick, and I had someone I was going to say a team that I was going to call as a fraud. But when I was just looking at their schedule, they played some good teams. Um, was can I take I a, the, can I take a guess? Yeah, can I take a guess at who is. Are you going to say the Cavs? No. I was gonna, no, I was actually thinking about the Cavs for a, a team that actually like surprised me, but um no, well, I was gonna say the Trailblazers. Ah, uh, yeah, well, because I think the Trailblazers are yeah. I just don't. Well, the thing is, that we I, I uh, in our um in the first podcast, I I was saying how I consider them a loser of the off season, and 
I was just looking at their schedule. I'm just, but they they actually played some you know tough teams. I mean, they played the Kings, and we you know you and I are both like fans of the Kings. Um, they're a very interesting roster, but they're looking pretty decent. Um, you know, they play play the Suns, Clippers, um, Grizzlies, and whatnot. The Sixers as well. Um, but the only like quote unquote poor teams they've really played were like the Pacers. I think they, that's basically it so far. Everyone else and and the Cavs, I guess, because the Cavs are, I guess, I think are a bit over. Um, what's the word? Are, are doing better than I thought, but I don't know how sustainable that is. Um, but yeah, so I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't really call the Trailblazers a fraud. So I don't really have a fraud this week, but I, I'll go with the Knicks with you. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, now let's transition to talking about what is going on in the Atlantic Division. So, first team I want to I want to briefly touch on uh, is the Toronto Raptors, who have been playing well. They've given up some leads. Um, they're sitting at seven and six right now, above five hundred, which I do not think was really their expectations. They've only had Siakam for two games. What are you looking at? Uh, what do you expect from the Raptors? Well, the Raptors, um, I've said previously that they're a team that. I, I was very confused about what their expectation would be for the season. Um, you know, losing Lowry in the off season. Um, they, they have a roster where they have a lot of, you know, they have a decent amount of trade pieces. Um, and I was wondering, I'm like, well, are they going to try to push for a playoff spot? But like, I don't, th- uh, this roster in my opinion is not good enough to like, you know, win, win, you know, contend or anything. Um, but then, you know, you're going to set yourself, yourself back um, for draft picks and stuff. But, um, I was looking, and you know, they have, like I said, my biggest issue with them is the, um, you know, they have so many forwards, you know, you know, we got Scotty Barnes, Siakam, you said his bag, OG, um, and with that, there's a lot, not a lot of, uh, spacing, um, with that, and, you know, Barnes isn't a, you know, a three-point shooter, Siakam has never really been a great three-point shooter either, OG can shoot, uh, a you know, a decent clip. Um, but there's just something about their spacing when like they're playing. I think we discussed this on the first podcast about like, you know, their offense. Um, and I thought when they brought in Gary Trent Jr., you know, that would help with their spacing. I mean, he, but he's shooting about 34% this year and he's a career, uh, 38% uh, three point shooter, I believe. So his numbers should go up a bit, but I think they're just, their spacing is off. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if they got rid of someone like Siakam or OG at the trade deadline. Um, really? Yeah, I do. I, I don't think, I think, I, I think they're like stuck in like, like, they'll be stuck in like a purgatory sense with this roster personally. But that's just my opinion. Interesting. I think, I, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to firmly disagree. I'm going to make a bold prediction right now that Scotty Barnes wins uh, rookie of the year and OG Ananobi wins most improved player. I, I think, I mean, dude, Barnes is averaging like 16.6 and 8.5 rebounds. He's, he's a stud. He has, I think, been pretty far and away the best rookie so far. Obviously, Ooh, we haven't far gotten a lot away? of, oh yeah, him and Mobley, Ooh, I think are, are going to say Mobley. Him and Mobley are really in a class of their own right now. I buy every piece of Scotty Barnes stock that I can possibly get. Um, when you have KD, 
you know, shouting you out post game, yeah. <laughs> um, you're you're in good shape. But OG uh, is really interesting to me as well because he actually has shot really poorly. He's only shot 42% from the floor, um, but his scoring has gotten up to 19.7 points per game. He's playing pretty good D, but this is his first time really being, you know, that guy. Um, and, and I think that they're definitely going to hold on to him. I think that from all that I've heard, they love sure. him up in Toronto. They love Scotty Barnes. I wouldn't be shocked if Siakam is the guy that they move, but I'm curious what kind of um, move you make for Siakam. Is he good enough to get you a guy like CJ um, McCollum or, or anyone in that tier? Because that's something that would be super interesting for them. But I'm not really sure what you move him for at this point. When a lot of the, the tradable pieces that people were looking at um, have kind of dwindled in the past few weeks when you look at, you know, guys like Sexton who got hurt or Brogdon who signed the extension. I don't really know where they go from there. Um, but I'm curious to see what they do. Um, they're seven and six right now. I kind of expect them to stay around there, but the Raptors are definitely a team that I'll be keeping my eye on. The next team is the Brooklyn Nets. Is James Harden ever going to be James Harden again? It's interesting. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting. I did not think he, you know, he has his, some flashes of you know him being himself, but I think it you the way his game was, um, how his game was in Houston, you know, always getting to the foul line and whatnot. Now that with like the stricter you know foul calls, um, I still think he's it's going to be a definitely a big it's a big adjustment for him, um, still, but. I was like curious uh, to see how many shots he was taking for the Nets so far, and he's only been averaging around 13 shots per game. And when he was the mm-hmm. guy in Houston, obviously it was you know it was his team. Um, he would average over t- um, 20 shots per game, uh, but now you know now he's with the Nets, he's with KD and Kyrie. I would still expect him to be shooting around you know 16, 17 shots per game w- with those you know other two players there, but. Kyrie's out and he's still only averaging 13 shots which is which is surprising to me I mean I think that maybe could be a reason um for you know him being inconsistent but I don't know I don't know what you think um regarding his like touch um or shots per game but I I, it's it's weird I mean maybe it's the ball too I mean could be it could be the ball but I mean at what at what point are we gonna stop stop talking about the ball being you know you know because at the end of the day they are NBA players you know they should be getting used to this by now i would think but yeah harden is like uh dude i i don't know i i i always lean towards it's harden like he's gonna figure it out um but we're a couple weeks into the season now and he's kind of looked like the same guy all all throughout um maybe his his hammy actually has slowed him down a bit and now he can't get the kind of separation that he's used to and and that might be one of the reasons he's averaging, you know, fewer shots. I mean, he's still putting up, what, like 18, 9, and 8. It's not like he's a bad right. player by any means. But a lot of the time, you look at the Nets, and it looks like it's just Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Durant is good enough where, like, he almost single-handedly won that Buck series. Like, Kevin Durant by himself is is good enough. Um, yeah. But are they going to be standing there at, at, at the finish line the way that they want to be? That is really, really built on the fact that James Harden is going to be James Harden again, and I don't know that he gets there. Um, the other one weird thing I want to touch on about the Nets really quickly is just Bruce Brown, who, like, Steve Nash just didn't play at the beginning of the season for some reason. Nash talked about it this week and said that, 
he was trying, or maybe Bruce Brown talked about this week. He said that Nash was trying to, you know, figure out lineups early on and tinker a little bit. Dude, right. what lineups are you tinkering with that don't have Bruce Brown in them? Like, what, what are you doing? Bruce, he's, he's awesome. He has gotten their defense back on track. He has been um, kind of a revelation, and they've been really hot since then. Buying every every piece of stock that I can in Bruce Brown. Yeah, I mean, Bruce Brown's a, you know, one thing I really like about Bruce Brown's game is his recovery speed once he gets picked, you know, when he when when the Nets don't really switch that like last year in the playoffs and like the regular season the Nets switched like almost everything you know but mm-hmm. now when he's out there they don't like really switch like they did um instead now what they're doing if it's like say like it's Blake Griffin um this man saying the pick on um uh Brown he'll uh, Griffin will just drop like to, towards the middle of the floor um between his man and the ball handler and which buys enough time for you know because his recovery speed is so good um for brown to recover and you know rather pick up his man and back or just contest the shot and i think that's been making a difference instead of leaving blake out on the island with like a ball handler um and you know now as well another thing i like about brown is these foul calls i mean you and i i think are both uh fans of you know them not calling every like you know pity pat foul and now that allows for you know the you know brown to use his body as an advantage and you know to actually use his physicality to really pressure the ball and you know not get hit with these little like fouls which are like come on like you know you let the play a little bit but yeah i'm really liking bruce brown uh and what he's doing for this team um i saw a stat where like you know the nets are about eight points uh per possession better with him on the floor and like you said like how does steve nash not have him in any of his lineups yeah, he's awesome. It, that, that's like the big thing is the Nets have a roster where um, they are always going to have a few suboptimal defensive players in any lineup. And if you're going to switch every possession, teams are just going to hunt out those switches, hunt out those mismatch as much as possible. And if you've got a guy like Blake Griffin out on an island or a guy like Joe Harris, who's not even awful defensively, getting switched on to somebody who's bigger than him kind of thing, then you start to really get in trouble. Um, but Bruce Brown allows you to kind of play more straight up and keep the matchups that you like that are a little bit more favorable for you defensively without um, putting too many of your guys on an island for sure. Another thing I got shot of, which I think actually helped the Nets, he might be going under the radar. So former Hawk and DeAndre Bembry. Well, Hawk, I guess, as an Atlanta Hawk and St. Joe's Hawk. Um, I mean, he's getting his, getting his chances now off the bench, and he's making it difficult um, for, like, the guards. I mean, his hands, I don't know if you ever watch him defend. His hands are always active, you know, always moving in one eye. And he's always, like, in college, um, I mean, I, I, for who those don't know, I went to St. Joe's, and I, so I saw yeah. Bembry play a lot. And, you know, he was always a good defender for us. And I and I always thought what if he, when he made when he got drafted, I'm like, you know, he's gonna he's not I don't I never thought his scoring was gonna, you know, translate. I mean he's more of an old fashioned guard. But one thing I think he could always find a um spot on the roster on a team would be because of his defense. And I was looking at his stats and he ranks eighth in steals per 36 minutes with two and a half so uh, between him and brown uh, i mean brown's obviously gonna get you know get more minutes and whatnot but i i mean i'm liking what they have there between those two guys yeah the the nets are the nets and like the bucks that kind of team where you're built around a couple of stars um and even like the lakers you can sometimes just find random like smaller time players that that have to step up in games where the stars don't really show out and that's where those kind of guys get those opportunities which is funny because you don't really think about it because they're like you know obviously not the main players in any team but right. they're the ones who really make the engine go and sometimes you can really identify some strong pieces that way 
But, okay, speaking of defensive mismatches, speaking of being on an island, let's talk about a guy who is putting himself on an island, Ben Simmons. Oh, my God, here we uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible transition there. Um, okay, so, uh, the Sixers. Uh, ben Simmons has not been present. He is now meeting with team doctors, but everything that he is saying to the public is coming from his agent, Rich Paul, rather than through himself. What is their goal at this point? I don't know. I don't know. I'm so Me lost neither. with this whole with this whole situation. I mean, I, I I don't know. I honestly, even from an outside perspective, I don't know. I I really don't understand. He's getting help from your team doctors, but Rich Paul, um, I forget the exact quote we said yesterday was, but basically saying like saying like the Sixers are either lying or what, what was it? Do do you know off the top of your head what it was? Yeah, he basically he basically tried to give the Sixers an ultimatum of either like you know pay my client or or say publicly that you think he's lying, right? Call his bluff about mental health, which the team is not going to do. Yeah, no. Um, no. But that I I I think that they really misplayed this hand, and, and now it's like who wants Ben? Where is he going to go? I I don't I don't I don't think there's Jaylen a logical trade. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> that's a different. Story. The, yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts on that one, but no more more so than that. Like, I, I dude, I have no idea where where you go from here. Um, the Sixers, you know, Joel has like publicly endorsed him and everything like that, but like, I don't really think they want him back right now. They look great without him when they've got everybody else. Um, I don't think anybody else really wants him that much. That's gonna pay him like maybe we can Not get pennies on the dollar more. for him. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe we can get pennies on the dollar for him. Like at that point, at this point. I, I, you know, would kind of almost rather that, but I don't know where we ship him that's willing to give us pennies on the dollar that, that makes sense because he's got a huge contract. Yeah, no, definitely. And I guess I guess we can talk, quickly touch upon the Brown and Simmons thing because uh. we, we talked about it off. You know, uh, there was a uh, Shams came out saying like um, essentially that the Celtics uh, asked about, you know, Ben Simmons and whatnot. Um, and then in a possible trade that would involve uh, Jalen Brown. Um, however, I believe it was the Sixers, I guess, when they were asking. I think the Celtics... They, cause it, all right, let me fast forward. And then a little bit later, I believe it was the Boston Herald came out and said that uh, the, the Brad Stevens and Celtics don't have any intention on sending Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons. Um, but in between those reports, it was probably about like, you know, three, four hours probably. So, of course, everyone's, yeah. you know, going crazy on Twitter or whatnot. Um, I said, I mean, all my feet, all the Celtics meltdown of wanting to trade for Simmons. And then, you know, on the other side, you got like, oh, yeah, we'll take Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons right now. It's Heck very yeah, interesting. But, but I know you think it could work both ways, um, say, if this trade were to go through. Um, let's, let's hear why you think it would be a perfect fit for both teams. Okay, so... Obviously, as a Sixers fan, I like the idea of getting Jalen Brown rather than having nothing. Um, it's a pretty easy sell there. But I do think that there is a little bit of uh, win-win for both sides in the sense of that Boston really does get that like point initiator um, that I don't really think that they have. You know, when you've got guys coming out and saying that the star players aren't passing the ball enough, uh, you know, not to throw any shade. Um, <laughs> but um, I think it, it becomes kind of clear that a, a player like Simmons who likes to push the ball and, and kind of, um, you know, get the other guys involved might be uh, beneficial there. Now, do I agree with what Marcus Smart was saying? No, and that's kind of another issue. But 
Um, I do think that there is some benefit of having Ben there as well as, um, you know, his defensive upside. But what I will say is, like, you know, on the Sixers, we saw how great a Josh Richardson, Ben Simmons, uh, Al Horford lineup works. And I think, <laughs> oh uh, you know, you guys could definitely run that back. Yeah. <laughs> on the Sixers side, I think it's pretty straightforward of, like, um, if you insert Jalen Brown into that lineup that has been cooking when Embiid is out there and healthy, like, that team is disgusting. Um and I, and I want that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, but I'm not, like, I, I told you, I texted you this. I am not going to say anything because I will not accidentally manifest this happening because <laughs> I love Jalen Brown too much for me to be the reason for him getting sent to Philly. Um, Fair enough. But, yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, I mean, so now you, you were just mentioning how, you know, you don't have, a lot of guys right or when you guys when you have your roster back other than Simmons you guys are actually looking pretty good uh, I mean you have a lot of guys out because of COVID we've got we've got yeah we had Embiid out we had Tobias out and we we still have Embiid out um, and we also have Matisse Thibel out and oh, okay. Isaiah Joe out oh, I didn't know but it's Thibel. really funny to me because um, they are still like cooking and there's been this kind of running joke in the Sixers for a long time about the fourth star because when we had the the lineup um, you know, with Jimmy and JJ and, and, and then Tobias and Fultz was supposed to be this like fourth star and all this stuff. And then, then last year, you know, Maxi showed glimpses and people started joking. Oh, is Maxi the fourth star? Now they're starting to joke. Is Maxi the second star on this team? Is, is he going to be that good? Um, better than <laughs> Tobias, better than Simmons. Um, from an outsider perspective, do you think Tyrese Maxi is the point guard that was promised? Yeah, I mean, I've been a Maxi fan. I was, I was mad that you guys drafted him. So he was one of the guys I was like looking. At. I'm like, all right, Sixers. I mean, not Sixers, the Celtics. I'm like, I wouldn't mind him if he uh, fell to us. And of course, you guys get on the clock and you guys select him. I'm like, well, here we go. Because now I have to deal with all my Philly Sixers fans always talking about him. And there's a player I always liked, and I had a feeling would do really well um, in the NBA. I didn't. To be fair, I didn't think he was going to do this well. Uh, this soon, I should say. I, th- I always felt like there was a you know a solid player in them, but now you guys hit, you guys you know did really well with that draft pick, and you know he's paying dividends. I mean, I mean, he did have a minus nine in your loss yesterday, but you know yeah, what, did, what did he drop like thirty one points? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know, I know. I, I'm not a big fan of the plus minus yeah. stat, but it's just it's just a fun it's just a funny stat. Um, but yeah, no, he he's a very good player, and you know. Who knows? Maybe he is that second star, you know, instead of, you know, paying guys, you know, they're 150 plus mil max contracts. Just, you know, just find a guy like Max. Yeah, like two nights ago, like 88% of our salary cap was out um, <laughs> due to having their feelings hurt for COVID. And, um, oh no, I'm just, <laughs> but, and, but Maxi comes in and drops like, the, I think he dropped like 31, five and seven or something like that. And so he has been, he's been awesome. A lot of the rest of the team is just really stepped up. You've got Seth Curry shooting 47% from three. Um, Cork Maz has been awesome. Um, you know, except for the second night of the back-to-back where he could not hit anything, but everything was coming up short because you can't really play guys 40 minutes back-to-back nights. Um, but Tobias came back last night. Right. He had nineteen seven and seven in thirty seven minutes, and he it's clear he's not one hundred percent yet. Um, that'll be big for them when he comes back. But this team is really fighting, um, and I'm really happy about it. They looked awesome when Embiid was playing, and Embiid did not look awesome. So um, I'm hoping that this time off, even though I know Joel is experiencing symptoms, 
um, which is not which is not good. Um, but I but I hope that his knee um, kind of gets some rest during this time and he comes back a little bit closer to 100%. Hopefully. And once he is back, I think this team really could be firing on all cylinders. And if they do make a Simmons move, um, I think that they're poised to still be at the top of the standings, kind of not really where people expected them once Ben Simmons threatened to sit out the whole year. I'm loving what I'm seeing for my team here. Um, You know who I'm not loving right now is the under 500, 5-6 Boston Celtics. There you go. Um, I know you guys have won three of the last four, but... You beat the Heat, who have been really hot and cold. You beat the Magic, who are the Magic. And uh, you guys beat the Raptors, who have not been bad, but uh, aren't really incredible either. And I'm seeing a lot of people starting to be like, hey, we won three of the last four. Or, you know, that call out, this was a positive meeting. We're doing really, we're great now. Again, are are the Celtics back? I'm not going to say they're back just yet, but I will say... You know, when you talk about the Raptors right there, they were undefeated on the road, you know, and they just, I think they just beat a certain someone yet last night, um, you know, but <laughs> no, but you know, they, they played, they played real well against the, the Raptors, um, and, you know, like I said, snapped their uh, undefeated uh, road streak, but in all seriousness, like, you know, the smart, the smart I mean, whoever doesn't know by now, you know, Marcus Smart after um, the Bulls game the other week, uh, where we blew like a ninety-point lead um, and lost. That made that made like three straight losses for the Celtics um, at home. We blew the lead nonetheless. Uh, led to you know Smart calling out Tatum and Brown, basically saying you know they need to pass the ball more in the fourth quarter. You know, so much you know he could do in the corner. Um, you know, just shooting threes in the corner or whatnot. And which led to a players-only meeting. Of course, it happens in Orlando because I feel like every players-only meeting for the past like three years we've had always happened in Orlando or in Miami. Um, but you know, that's maybe, what you, maybe you guys need to to fix the locker room by like shipping out a guy like um, Jalen like Brown, Brown, for yeah. example. Okay. Anyway, but um, he, you know, that's what you get with Marcus. Um, he's going to tell you just uh, you know upfront, you know. Should he have done it in front of the media? That's another debate. I I see, understand you know the frustration and whatnot. However, I do see where he's coming from in a sense of like them needing to pass the ball. See, this is where a thing I love Jason Tatum, but in the fourth quarter you could tell like sometimes he goes to iso ball too much, and I don't know if this is on like you know instruction by the coach or not. I mean, I maybe he may you know as a first year needs to do a better job of making sure you know you you know. It doesn't need to be iso ball for a whole, you know, twelve minutes of fourth of the fourth quarter. Like, you know, you just don't need to do that. And on the other side, I think Jalen is being a little bit selfless in the fourth quarter because in like the double overtime game against the Bulls, he finished in the fourth quarter. I think maybe with like thirty eight points, something around there. He didn't make a basket for like the next two overtimes, and I think he needs to demand the ball more. Not, I still am fine with Jason taking like last shots and stuff because I think he's still him and. Brown, like either one, one of them two should always be taking the last shots in those situations. However, I think he needs to start demanding the ball more, especially in the fourth quarter, especially when if like Jason's not getting a shot. If Jason's on fire, just keep giving him the ball because he's just that good of a scorer. But lately, maybe he's also adjusting to the whole new ball thing. But he needs, I think Jason needs to do better, um, you know, with that in the fourth quarter, getting maybe even his, you know, co star involved more. Um, but you know, like I said, after the call out 
won three of the last four. The only then they lost to the Luca Luca and the Mavs off of an unbelievable game winner again. He hit one against us last year, literally identical on the other side of the court though. Um, a buzzer beating three. Um, I mean Luca Magic. I mean I I can't even be mad. I I know I, I was mad, but is is what it is. It's better than you know another player doing it, I guess. But um, but no, they're I mean they're doing well in a lot. You know and like and the the. The you know Jalen's been out the last few games for his hamstring injury, um, but the guys who've been stepping up is Robert Williams and your guy Al Horford. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean, look, what's interesting to me about the Celtics is that they're beating the teams that they should be beating. Like they, right. you know, they just beat the the Raptors, and on this little streak, they also beat the Heat. But but they're taking care of business against teams like the Magic. They they beat the Rockets. Um, and they beat the Hornets, who the Hornets are like a French playoff team, but you expect the Celtics to win there. Um, the teams that they're losing to have all also been pretty good teams so far. Um, you know, they've lost to the Raptors, they lost to the Wizards twice, they lost to the Bulls, and they lost to the Mavericks. All teams who are above 500, all teams who are having pretty good seasons so far. So it's not like the, it's not like they're coming in and like getting the crap beat out of them by bad teams. Um, they're kind of handling business where they're supposed to. Um from an outsider perspective, maybe that's kind of where they are this year, though, as like a team that's going to be beating bad teams, but isn't in the in the level to, to beat these good teams. Um, I, I do think that the Celtics, like I look at their roster and I do think that they're maybe a piece away. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's that's fair. I mean, it's also hard, like. It's, it's hard in the sense where I think this roster is good enough to, you know, be in the be in the playoffs. I do think. They could win a, a series, maybe maybe two, depends on the matchups and stuff. Um, I, I it's gonna come down to this whole uh, Jalen. I mean, I mean, he missed this, you know. Well, he almost missed the opener, um, because you know COVID. Um, that was his first game back from COVID. Now he has his hamstring injury, and you know Rob Williams has just been unreal so far for us, but um. Like I said, maybe we are one piece away, but like the way I like the way uh, Brad Stevens has been, um, you know, re, you know, doing his con the um, like the front office work, you know, some of his contracts and stuff. So, and we are positioned to get maybe that quote unquote third star um, in the next um, free agency. But at the same time, and when you're in a place like Boston, like you need you you're expected to win you know it's just like that winning culture and stuff so that you're not going to ever like you know have that tank and stuff but i i mean the expectations are always going to be high with them but we'll see we'll see we'll see how we are next week after you know we play the bucks tonight i believe um i don't know if we're home or away but that'll be a good test but we'll see yeah i mean the Celtics have been well positioned to get that third star for what feels like the last decade. Um, I mean, we we yeah. I mean, to be fair, we've had that three the third star twice now, and it just hasn't really clicked. Yeah. Of, like, oh, that's true. That's true. I guess. Yeah. Kyrie. I don't know if Kemba was. Yeah, I guess Kemba was an All Star, so I guess yeah, he 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 was yeah. technically supposed to be good enough. Um, but I, I know how this will go, where the Celtics are linked to every potential free agent, oh, yeah. every single oh, potential yeah. trade, like yep. happens every time, yep. probably won't do anything, but, um, that's really what's going on in the Atlantic. I'm excited to see what happens in the, in the coming week. You know, the Celtics have, this is a, this is a critical week for them and for the Sixers. Hopefully they can get their guys back because they've got a brutal road stretch coming up here. And once Joel comes back, they need to, they need to still be kind of in the mix of things. So. Let's move forward on to our last uh, real segment. Uh, 
this week we are going to be doing uh, is this real or is this an overreaction? I have a few player questions for you and then a few team ones. We'll rip through these pretty quick. Um, I asked you this earlier. Do you think Tyrese Maxey is a long-term NBA starting point guard? Starting point guard? Oh, um, yeah, I, I think he can be. I, I don't see why not. I think that's real as well. Uh, Carmelo is back. What, what do you mean by back? I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yes, I would say yeah, he's real. I think, I think, I think he, yeah. I think that I think that's an overreaction. Uh, Steph Curry is and should be the front runner for MVP. Ooh. Uh, real. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with real as well. Uh, Paul George, my last player one. Paul George, second place for uh, MVP. Uh, overreaction. Oh, I'm gonna go with real on that one as well. Uh, and then I'll rip through my team ones, and then you can give me yours. Uh, okay. Uh, last week we did the Wizards buy or sell over six seed. Uh, this week I'm gonna say the Wizards as a lock for a top five seed. Is that real or is that an overreaction? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm gonna say overreaction. I, I I know I just in the early in this podcast I just said it was good, but I think like you know the East is so good. I feel like we're gonna see teams yeah. you jump all around. I think it's an overreaction. It's a little too early, but I do think they, as a team, are for real. Uh, okay, the Raptors are going to make the postseason. Overreaction. I think they're going to fall. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that's real. Okay, uh, the Clippers without Kawhi finish as a top six seed. Real. I think. I think. I'm going to go with real as well on that yeah. one. And last one: the Trailblazers miss the playoffs. That doesn't mean the 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 play in the playoffs. So you're saying that if they make the play in game and they lose, it doesn't. They count. lose the play in. Okay. That doesn't count. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they make the playoffs. Uh, they make the playoffs. Um. They miss the. Real, I'm saying they miss real. the playoffs. Sorry. I'm gonna say real. Yeah, I'm gonna go with real as well. Yeah. I I don't think that roster is built to do that right yeah. now. All right. All right. So for me, um. Hawks will finish as uh, the fifth seed or better, so top five seed in the East. I'm gonna go with that's an overreaction. I, I think I think that the roster right now doesn't seem to really care about the regular season. I wouldn't be shocked if they finish in the top five. I think they probably have the talent to do so. I wouldn't be shocked if they finished in like the six or seven. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, ben Simmons plays over 22 and a half games for the Sixers this season. Yes. I'm going to say he does not. I'm, I'm going to sell that. I'm going to okay. say that's an overreaction. Okay. And then the last one I have, Cade Cunningham averages more than 16.5 points in his rookie season. Oh, I'm going to go with that's an overreaction. I think he's going to distribute a lot. He hasn't been shooting well. I think Cade is still a stud. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't finish on the top three for rookie of the year voting, though. He's got a lot he needs to put together. I, I agree with that too. I think he's. Uh, I don't think he's gonna get over six, sixteen and a half. Um, not yet, at least. All right. Um, all right. So the next thing we got is the our predictions. Um, yeah. Go ahead. You saw so for, yours. So for those of you who aren't listening, we give a weekly prediction and we give a weekly pick. Uh, you have to pick a game against a playoff team that is happening this weekend. It's a survivor pool, so once you pick a team, you can no longer choose them. Again, uh, my prediction last time around was that James Harden was going to have his explosion or Ky- we were going to get some big Kyrie news. We did not do that. Uh, so I am 0-1 in the predictions. Mark is 1-0 after predicting the Clippers would win three of their next four from the last time we recorded and that Paul George would average over five, three, 
free throws a game despite having only taken four in the first six games. That actually came true. So Mark is 1-0. My prediction this week is that Tyrese Maxey is going to average over 17 points a game for this entire week um, where he has shot much better at home than on the road and they are on the road. But I I am buying Tyrese Maxey. I'm going to say he averages over 17 points per game for this upcoming week. Okay. Um, my prediction is going to be I actually forgot to write one down because I, but I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, Jason Tatum will be shooting better than forty-four percent for this week. Okay. On the field, because he's been struggling okay. shooting, but I feel like starting tonight with the box, I think he's gonna start shooting better. And you know, without Jalen, he's gonna be taking more looks. So hopefully, he starts making them. Yeah, I'm curious to see if, if if the shot quantity will correlate to yeah. uh, becoming more efficient, but we'll see. Uh, my pick for games this week is I am taking the Knicks to beat the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I, I haven't really been you know super sold on the Knicks, but I'm really not super sold on the Hornets either, and I think the Knicks are just going to take this one, um, play a little too good of defense, um, hopefully um, get that defensive identity back. And and uh, and put the Hornets away. And my game, I'm gonna pick. Um, it's gonna be the Suns to beat the Grizzlies. Um, <laughs> Ian used the Suns last week, and I said, "Wow, using a big team early." And here I am using <laughs> a big team early in the week two. But um, or I guess technically this week three for us. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. Um, so the yeah, I just I like the Suns roster. Um, Grizzlies. I like their team, but I just don't think they have enough to beat the Suns, and hopefully I'm correct, and I will go to 2-0 next week for those game picks. Yeah, uh, we'll check in next week, but um, it's just funny seeing us both have now. You picked the Hornets to win, and I'm betting against the Hornets tonight. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what happens there, uh, and we'll check in again next week. And um, that's all we've got for this week. So thank you for listening to Hooping and Hollering. I'm Ian Cruz. Mark? Talk to you guys later. Thank you.